Welcome to the Whiskey and Lemon podcast. I am your host, Lana Mercedes. And I'm Sierra McKenzie. Welcome to the show, Sierra. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad we were able to connect. I'm really looking forward to chatting. I really wanted to have you on because I think you have just a really great and unique perspective on Enneagram, the Enneagram types. And I am, I find myself a little bit obsessed with it because I know there's a lot of personality assessments out there and I'm usually quick to just disregard all of them. But any type that I've known, including myself, I feel like it's so spot on. Like obviously there's going to be some that are not like exact Mm -hmm. or you might not be in that, um, I guess like season. I don't know if those are the correct terms. But I know you have your wings and like you're not you might not be in the correct season in that time. But I feel like like I'm an eight and I feel like I'm a true eight. <laughs> I know someone that's a one. I feel like oh, they're a true right. one. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I really want to just dive into kind of how you got started working with I don't want to say the Enneagrams. That's not correct. Right. Enneagram types. Enneagram. Yeah. System. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Enneagram, how, yeah. Yeah. Just that in general, okay. I think. OK. So I want to just know how you got started and. In your own words, like how is it so you know different or unique from other personality assessments? Hundred percent. Well, I think it's kind of an ironic story, and I will start out saying that when you are working with the Enneagram, it's highly important to not try to type people. Um, and because of that, that is actually what got me into the Enneagram because someone said, "Oh my gosh, you're such a type four When I was about fourteen or fifteen years old, and I said what is a type four? I don't even understand what that means. (laughs) When I did some research on it, it was actually a little bit offended that someone would say that I'm a type four when I thought I am not a type four. That doesn't make sense. Like I love, like I'm very creative, which is a type four's, I guess, persona, but that was it. Like there was nothing else about a type four. So anyways, I completely ignored the Enneagram for about three to four years following that. Um, and remind, correct me if I'm wrong, but the type four is also supposed to be around like, don't put me in a box, right? Yes. Okay. Which is kind of ironic, actually, <laughs> yeah. thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll, I want to run through the types for sure. But um, mm-hmm. I think that was like the main pinpoint thing that got me into it. And I was really into Myers-Briggs. Like my mom has a massive background in um, psychology. She wanted to be a psychologist. And um, so I've always naturally been more drawn to like knowing how people work and why people are the way they are. Um, so when I actually had the opportunity to get into Enneagram and figure it out for myself several years ago, post getting over the fact that someone thought I was a type four, it was, it, yeah. it had me hooked. And as you said, it's probably one of the more accurate personality types. Like I've been through Myers-Briggs. I've seen like how different aspects of that work into people's lives. But I feel like when you're able to actually sit down and be honest with yourself, um, everything is so much more different, so much more succinct. As you said, you have the wings, you have the stress and security. And when people think that they are one particular type, um, they, they fit into that type, but they have access to so many more other types on the personality wheel. And I think that's why it works so much better. Um, yeah. Okay. Awesome. And then did you find yourself like, once you actually kind of figured out what your type was or were you like going down a rabbit hole? Like, how did you really connect with like your type? Is that, was it you connecting with your type and then that's how you kind of got into the rest of them? Um, I'm, I'm a true researcher. I could never be a career researcher, but I was like, okay, I kind of know what I am. I kind of had an idea. Um, but then I wanted to like see and compare and contrast and see, okay, does this make sense? Does this make sense? La, 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 la. Um, so from 
kind of having a basic idea of each core motivation of each type, like what makes each type tick, I was therefore able to say, oh, okay, like this is where I see this aspect played out in my life. So you're an eight. Do you know what your wing is? Are you a wing seven or nine? I'm actually so glad you said that. Okay. So I have, I know a few people that say, you know, something like I'm an eight wing four, like it needs to be the number. Oh, it drives me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Someone was like, I got like eight wing three or something. And I'm like, no, you can't try to be the most influential numbers on the Enneagram at the same time. Like it doesn't work that way. (laughs) Okay. So before we actually get in that, into that, can you explain to the audience and to myself, like exactly how the wings work? And then maybe I can answer your question better once I understand it too. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So you have your primary type, right? So you could be a type one, a type two, all the way to type nine. Um, When people say wings, they're the numbers either right before or right afterwards. So if you think about the Enneagram shape as a clock or as a circle, um, you have the nine at the top, goes all the way to eight um, right before that. So the wings are the two numbers essentially on either side. So if you're an eight, you can only wing nine or seven. If you're a two, you can only wing one or three. Um, And that's essentially it. You can have um, your- And if you're a nine, you'd be an eight or a one? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it depends, obviously, like you can have a balance in both wings, but you will always have a more dominating wing. So for example, I see myself going to wing one. I'm a nine. Um, I may have already said that. I'm not really sure. (laughs) So I see myself going to wing one, um, but my dominant wing is a wing eight, which really irritates me sometimes because I will do so many things with my confrontational wing eight because justice and making sure that everybody's clear on everything. But then my nine wing, my nine primary wants to make sure everybody's happy and peaceful and they are at war all the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's actually, as I'm looking at this list, I'm thinking, okay, here's probably where I have the conflict because I'm an eight. And I'm thinking already, before we even get into them, I'm identifying more as like a wing nine, which I'm like, okay, the challenger, the peacemaker, what? Like, how am I both those things? They are the antithesis. So we're opposite I, of each other. We're yeah. not opposite of like, different <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They are the antithesis. I think the other one I can think of that's probably just the same as the type five and the type four, because the type five is quite, um, they're the investigator, and then the type four is the individualist. So the invest they have like shared qualities similar to the nine and the eight, mm-hmm. but the investigator is very research oriented and everything is logical, and the type four is like creative and not everything is romantic and nothing needs to like so they're very opposite i think both the five and four and then the eight and nine right next to each other are always such interesting combinations um of people so someone told you you were a four and the challenger and you said no i'm not and also like what is the enneagram right <laughs> absolutely yes okay all right so yeah. I'd love to jump into if you can just actually yeah so just answer your question I think I'm an eight and what you're saying is you can go between the two but you're always gonna have a more dominant so if I'm an eight wing nine I could be an eight wing seven like next year absolutely yeah and you can they don't change like they they change um you use both of them all the time they don't they could change hour to hour um you could see certain aspects of your wing coming out so for example um, you could have some, have some space and be really happy in your nine wing because nines thrive on having a little bit of their own space, their own time, like the quiet, but then it's really easy for you on, you know, to go out for dinner and be like, okay, cool. Life at the party kind of vibes too. Mm-hmm. You have access to both of those things. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we have access to both the wings, but 
the main type is the one that is static, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. All right. So can we jump into the types? I'm really excited here. Absolutely. Um, we'll start with type one. So that's okay. the perfectionist. So I just thought when like explaining these, I would go through a bit of the core motivation behind each type. Yeah. Um, because it's really important to note that core motivations can be pretty easily grasped for most people. It's just that if the core motivation is the most important thing for you. So for example, the person who said I was a type four, like authenticity is an incredibly important aspect of my life. But it's also when I was looking through the motivations of everything else, it's not the most important. Like the most important thing for me is to make sure everybody's happy, keeping the peace. So it doesn't invalidate any other core motivation if you identify with that of a three or a four or a six. Um, it's just knowing yourself well enough and being honest to know and say truthfully what is the most important thing in my world, full stop. Um, so, yeah. yeah, something to mention there, which I'm glad you brought it up, is that it seems like oftentimes personality types will go based on behavior, right? Where you're explaining mm -hmm. that an Enneagram is based off like its desires and fears. It's not just how you behave or how people see you, right? right. It's more of an inter, like you decide, not you decide, but like no one can pick what your type is based on like observing your behavior out. Yes. No one can know you like you know yourself. Right. And that's even in levels of health and un like if you're unhealthy, most of the time, you know that about yourself. Mm -hmm. You know that you're not in the best mental headspace. You know that you're not in the best um, physical or spiritual headspace that you could be in. Um, whereas like when you're on the opposite end of things and you kind of are like, oh, I feel really confident about this and strong about this. And obviously you're going to have opposite ends of the spectrum in all areas of life. Like sometimes your work life is going to be thriving and your um, mental life is going to need more work, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So you're always growing, you're always thriving. But um, I think just even being self-aware is such an aspect of health that a lot of people are really moving into um, just in the last several years. Like being aware is such a huge thing. And I, I love that we're at that space in time. Um, yeah. Because I feel like for yeah. so many years, it used to be just to shove it down, um, just yep. make sure everything's good on the surface and everybody's mm -hmm. okay with how you appear to be. And um, yeah, I think that we're getting back to the very real aspect of life. And, and that's really yeah. motivating to me. Yeah. No, yeah, I totally agree. Because I feel like oftentimes people will think, like you said, no one knows you like you know yourself. So oftentimes we catch ourselves viewing ourselves how other people see us. So yeah. people think, oh, this person's like this. It's like, oh, well, if everybody thinks I'm like this, this must be what I am. Or even if these couple of people think I'm this way, this must be who I am. And 100%. then I need to kind of subconsciously adopt those behaviors to mm -hmm. believe what they're saying so it matches. Because how can yes. I see myself as something and they see me as something different? So yeah, definitely agree there. So, All right, interesting. so let's jump into these types. Cool. I'm excited. Yes. <laughs> I'm a chatterbox. Can you tell? Um, I can't because I'm also one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the type one is the perfectionist, traditionally known. So their core motivation is to make sure everything is right um, and good in the world. And that goes for themselves and for other people. So they're the kind of people who basically have that inner critic in their head. And I was talking to a type one recently and they were like, wait, nobody else has the inner critic. Um, and they were actually really shocked because type ones just assume that everybody else has that voice in their head that's like, this isn't right. This isn't right. This doesn't make sense. So they'll they'll be the people who walk into a room and instead of seeing the room as it is, they'll be like, 
that pillow is out of place and they need to fix it. Um, but they're also the people you want operating on you in the doctor's office and like looking over your law cases because they're extremely detail oriented. They want everything to be right. Um, but because of that, they also have a bit of a justice streak um, because everything needs to be correct. Um, and so when things are not correct and, and not done well, obviously they have a little bit of a tick that's like, no, 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 this needs, this isn't correct. Like I need to fix this. Um, so yeah, that's the type one. Okay. Uh, question. So hmm. as I'm hearing these, I'm wondering, yeah. and this goes back to, you know, 16 personality, like all these different tests. Yeah. 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 What, what is the, I don't know if there's a benefit, maybe there's a risk, but to people that are taking this test multiple times and they're getting different numbers, like, how do you know your, how do you really know your number <laughs> or if someone's taking it and they think like, Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's me or they hear mm -hmm. one thing from another number and they're like, Oh, that must be me. Let me take the text again. This is my mother <laughs> and my aunt. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know what I think is so interesting is that we always have to remember that the tests are generally only 70% accurate. Mm -hmm. Um, and that just goes with any kind of test at all, ever, just because of, you know, you're going to answer them in a different headspace every time. I would say when you're taking the test, take it without thinking. Um, just be like, this makes sense. This makes sense. This doesn't make sense. No, that's not me. And just whack it out as much as possible. Um, because if you're overthinking it, it just doesn't have the same flow as if you're like, this is my instinct. Um, I think another thing that's worth looking at, and we can talk about this maybe later, is knowing your stress and security numbers. So again, if you look at the diagram, you'll see the arrows connecting to and from certain types. Okay. Um, knowing where you go when you're stressed or when you're secure is going to be a really strong indicator for how the numbers are connected. So for example, nine, six, and three are all connected. Um, so as a type three or as a type nine or as a type six, you would go to the opposite numbers in order to actually see where you, where you are. So for example, someone could get a type three and then get a type six and then get a type seven and say, oh, maybe they wouldn't say I'm a three wing six because we know that's not a thing, right. <laughs> but they could say, oh, okay. Like what if, um, what if I see myself in a six more than I see in more than I see in a seven, um, they would know, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense because I'm also attached to a three. Um, I'm also attached to a nine. So that could be a really strong indicator. I think the other thing to remember is that, again, you know yourself best and it's worth having a look through each of the numbers and saying, oh, okay, like this aspect of this motivates me, mm -hmm. but maybe it doesn't motivate me as much as the other one. Um, so yeah. Does that, does that help at all? Yeah. And I'm actually looking, so I'm not familiar with the actual, but the diagram that I'm seeing yeah. here. Um, it, does that have any relation to when we're talking about like the heart and the, is it heart? Yes. Um, or I don't know why I'm pointing here. <laughs> Head, heart, and like body or something. Is that where that whole diagram connection comes in? Okay. So that's a really good point. So that's the center of intelligence. So this is where it gets really layered so, and really in depth. <laughs> where we can also, if you think it's better, we can go into that part and the diagram at the end. And then I can add like a link to maybe one you think is like the most accurate, or if you have one yeah. on your own site and we can share it with everyone, but this is like a whole layer of any, like the Enneagram. This is a whole other aspect. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So why don't, yeah, yeah, why don't we go do through the, the types and then we can end with that part because 
this is a new layer I'm not familiar with at all. Okay, sounds great. Okay. <laughs> so moving on to type two, type two is like the giver or the helper. Um, so their core motivation is based highly on loving people in order to be loved in return. So this could sound a bit like you, uh, like a you scratch my back, I scratch yours kind mm -hmm. of scenario. Um, but I think the reality is that there's a lot more of a love oriented situation. Um, so the type two desires to show love and not just say they love people. Um, and so when there's people that take the time that they take the time to love and they don't reciprocate that, there's an issue in the type two's nine. There's a bit of a disconnect. Um, these are the nurses, these are the daycare staff in your world and the people who are taking care of others as their main priority. Um, and because of that, they deeply desire appreciation back. Um, and I've heard it said that a lot of women actually step into that role as a mom, become, they become the nurturer. Um, obviously their, their primary type doesn't change, but if you think of a classic um, mom in the sense of like, you know, someone who gets you off for school in the morning and like wakes yeah. you up, like the old 1950s kind of like, oh, he's honey, <laughs> like Beverly Cleary, uh, not Beverly Cleary, what's her name? Beverly from like Leave It to Beaver, the mom. Oh. I always think of her. Yes, I know who you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like just always like, oh no, dear, like let me put jam on your toast. Very, <laughs> yeah. like, just loves the people well. Right. Um, yeah, so that's the type two. Um, type three is the achiever. Beverly Cleary. You're, you're Beverly right. Cleary, was I right? Yeah, yeah. you're right. Okay. <laughs> I'm shocked. I haven't seen that show for years. I just always had that image in my head. <laughs> I saw it. Oh, man. Yeah, it was there. It was there. <laughs> um, yeah, so type three is the achiever. Their core motivation is they want to be respected. They want to be admired by others. They want to be valued. Um, and I think on the surface level, they want to be the best. Type one and type three get mixed up all the time. I think the main difference is type one needs everything to be right. And so they have issues taking shortcuts with things because they'll always know in the back of their heads that it wasn't done exactly right. Whereas type threes really just want to be the best. And so they have no issue taking shortcuts, um, just as long as everybody looks good on their team. And I feel like this is like a very North American, maybe like maybe more of a USA kind of mindset. Um, because mm -hmm. the type three wants to be noticed and they're like the motivational speakers and the life coaches and the, that's exactly like, what I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. them. Okay. There's, it, and these are all, I guess, like stereotypes to a certain extent, yeah. but you have to think More about the layers of things eventually. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So they always are like the man with the plan. They want to be verbally appreciated for what they're doing um, because much of their value stems from that aspect of things. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then just, just quickly. So would you say yeah, that absolutely. is their, their fear then? Like just if they're not actually, you said they're okay with taking the shortcuts as long as they achieve it. So would the fear be just them not getting to that end result? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So they need to be, they're very, they love doing, they're the doers. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's very easy for them to see something and do it. They have no problem. They're highly motivated individuals. Um, okay. So if they say they're going to wake up at six o'clock the next morning and train, they're going to do it. Um, yeah. So there's that, no obstacle. Yeah. Right. That that makes sense to me too. If you're saying like they are okay, they they're motivated and they want to get to the end with a perfectionist is like I need to make sure I'm doing it this way because I just as the term perfectionist, I can identify with that. And it's funny because I feel like people always think that means. I'm knocking out projects left and right. 
And because I'm a perfectionist, mm-hmm. that's the opposite. I'm like, I'm never actually, I feel like I'm never completing things. It's not perfect yet, you know? So yes. it took me a long time. Like it took me over a year before I officially launched this podcast. Cause I'm this one little thing. I need to wait till it's perfect. Yeah. And I still feel like my episodes aren't perfect. And I, I wouldn't have started otherwise, you know? It's so funny. It's that aspect of like, are you ready for this? And like knowing that you're never actually going to be in a state of, I mean, you could be in a state of readiness. Props to you if you are. Exactly right. Can I <laughs> identify it's like, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's so interesting. No, that's exactly right. You can't, there is a very distinct difference. Ones, I think, have a little bit, they're, they're still very, they can pump it out, you know, mm-hmm. but there's still always going to be that aspect of, it's not exactly right yet. Right, right. Yeah. And I see that reflected in my own life because I do have that wing one. And so I'm like, oh, it's 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 not there quite yet, but it should be, you know, like yeah. a lot of it is just mental. And it's so fascinating to me how we get stuck in that side of things. Yes. Crazy. Biggest critics for sure. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so type four is the individualist. Um, and their core motivation, we've already touched on this a little bit, is to be authentic. Um, they want to be unique. They want to be real. They want to find the meaning and value of things. Um, and honestly, I feel like type fours are like one of the standard wannabe types if you're a creative. Because I run into so many people, especially when I was living in LA, that want to be a type four because of the stereotype around it. So they're, they are creative at heart, but there's this thing that if you're a type four, you must be uberly creative. Like you must always be creating things and always be, um, being in your own world. But so many people want to be considered this, that they actually lose themselves in the process of trying to be a four, which is not a type four thing to do. Okay. So okay, they don't want to go to Starbucks. They want to go to the tiny coffee shop around the corner where the owners are ancient and the coffee is unique. And that's again, such a stereotype, but you get my drift like around things yeah. like this. Yeah. Um, so the type four often feels like they're missing out on something. Um, and so I think that's part of their creation, their creative aspect. They, they're known for creating an outlet for that. So these are more the artists in the world, like the romantics, the poets. Um, I think Billie Eilish is a prime popular example of a type four, like from the musical okay. aspect of side, but then yeah. also even just in her aspect of how she carries herself and her fashion. And she's a type four right. individual. Um, And you know that about her. Like, she's just her own person. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, So that's a type four. Mm -hmm. Type five, we call the investigator. Um, I think of two key words when I think of a type five. They're very thoughtful and they're very perceptive. Um, And their core motivation is understanding the world around them. And I think their biggest challenge is knowing that they're equipped and capable for whatever is in front of them. they're always learning what it means to be comfortable in an uncomfortable and uncertain world. Um, and knowing why I think is one of their biggest motivators. They, it can take place in the form of study, um, personal quiet, personal contemplation. They have a bit more of a withdrawn stance. They hate being interrupted. They'd rather get lost in a book or a magazine than a conversation. Okay. They're, they are not the world's biggest communicators. Um, generally speaking, and which is interesting because then you have like your, your five researchers who go on to do incredible Ted talks and are actually incredible communicators, but growing up, it's not a comfortable space for them. Um, just outright generally, because they want to be able to get lost in their thoughts. And it takes a very healthy five to say, no, actually, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and actually 
get out into the world and communicate why I think these things are important. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's a type five. Yeah. Question. So with these yeah. types and we might've already touched this and I might've forgotten, but are, Absolutely. are we essentially like we can have all of these types and we're dominantly one or is it, I know you said it's like 70% accuracy, but as far as like, yeah. are we all of these things, but this is your dominant trait? Or are we more looking like this is just, this is your type? I think I like to use like the the word the verbiage like what type you identify with because otherwise people can be like oh I'm a type eight so therefore I la 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 um, whereas okay. I think it's important to distinguish that you are a person right full stop and then this just kind of fits into your life um, right yes so more or less you have your primary number is your primary number and that's based on your motivation your life motivation which very rarely changes. Um, but you do have access to the wings. So as a challenger, you use seven and nine on the daily, usually. Yeah. Um, you also have access to the child heart point or your security point, uh, okay. which I'm sure we'll touch on at some point. And yeah. then your stress, which is your kind of zone that you go to. And that's the zone that you go to. That's an unhealthy aspect of that number. Got it. Okay. Does that kind of make yeah, sense? Yeah, because I'm guessing that's how, when we tie that in, it's how it's going to resonate with people when they say something like, I'm a seven and I have wing six and eight, but I feel like a lot of things about two are speaking mm -hmm. to me. Like that's where that's all going to kind of tie in, right? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Because it's important and that people don't forget it. It doesn't mean that you can't identify with anything from type two just because you're a nine. Absolutely not. Right. You have access to so much more than people realize. And I think as you said at the beginning, like that's why this test specifically is so accurate compared to everything else. Cause it doesn't necessarily try to fit you in a box mm -hmm. um, because you just can't. And there are so many layers that just keep going. I was researching um, subtypes the other day and that's a whole other ballpark to the Enneagram. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that's, that's something else entirely. Yeah, but I there's still some. like, another layer to it you know right so, okay yeah i'm excited all right so we're yeah. on six we're on seven i think yes oh wait no we're on six you're right six <laughs> wait a minute okay I'm like looking at my list here yeah okay. so the six is known as the skeptic and the loyalist um and i think their their motto is if they can't fix it nobody can these are like mm the consistent carers. So you have, on the one hand, you have the skeptic, but then you also have the loyalist. So they're driven by the need for security and the need for support, both for themselves and for their loved ones. Um, but I think they also really long to be that safe space for people. Um, and they want to be reliable. They want others to feel like they can rely on them. And so because of that, they're always the ones that are two steps ahead of the game. They're natural troubleshooters. They like put the pieces of the puzzle together while looking at like they're just it's easy for them um and that's the skeptic side of them but they're extremely deeply loyal to their community and that's their driving point um and that's sometimes what puts them in their stereotypical zone of caution like everybody's like oh my gosh the six is the one that's worried about everything and concerned about um what could happen but it's because they want to protect their community um and so that's probably what puts them in uncertainty half the time, okay. but they can move from uncertainty to certainty at the drop of a hat. So they're really dedicated to protecting people. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Type seven is the enthusiast. Feel free to interrupt me anytime, by the way. <laughs> I can do it a little too I feel like I'm just going. I'm really trying, like, to, really trying <laughs> to hold it in sometimes. Okay. No, feel free. Like, I feel okay. like I'm just, I can feel like I'm just talking sometimes. But, okay. You're good. Uh, okay. Type seven is the enthusiast. They are variety is the spice of life kind of people. My mom, when she found out she was a type seven, she cried because she was like, I feel like I finally understood because... <laughs> She, as I had said before, she had been a mom for so long. Um, and obviously, like, she'd been working and doing all these kinds of things, but she's very dedicated to her children, and we're all extremely grateful for that. Yeah. Um, but as, you know, my baby baby sister is coming to be 18, like, in the next few weeks, and it's kind of interesting for her to be, like, in that space of, oh, wow, like, I am – not necessarily like she's always going to be a mom but she's not in the space of like i have to take care of everybody's instant needs and wants anymore um okay so core motivation for a seven is to feel freedom for fear and pain um these are i love type sevens okay if i'm partial to a specific type like type sevens were probably my friends growing up without me realizing it okay. <laughs> um, because they get me out of my comfort zone so mm. they're the ones who know how to have fun and unique and creative ways it's never just like out to dinner. It's a full on seven course meal with sparklers in the dessert. Like they're out on a trip, planning a trip for the next time. Like they're always moving Got on it. to the next fun thing. Um, but because of that, they're, they, they don't want to think about how they might feel. They're always in that stance of avoidance. They don't want to feel hurt. They don't want to feel pain. Um, and so when they're forced to feel those kind of things, they'd rather just create something fun to distract them instead. Okay. Um, yeah. Mm. So they're, they're always, they're always looking for the next latest, greatest, exciting thing. So, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm listening to that as I'm, as I know we're going into type eight, paying yeah. attention to my, my wings. Okay. Ooh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Good for you. It's funny how you can like see a lot of these types in yourself. Not you, yes. like anybody, but anybody no, yeah. listening. Which, yeah, that's why I asked. Like, uh, these are main types. We have all these other things because there are certain things, you know, like I, I can relate to being a perfectionist. Um, you know, I have that, like, I think it's a little bit less now, but I think when I was younger, I would always identify with like, the individualist. So I'm, I'm picking mm -hmm. up on a lot of these these things and I'm really excited to see this, this connection between the challenger and the peacemaker as well. <laughs> so fun. Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> but I can definitely relate to the enthusiast part of, I, which maybe we all can at some point of like, you know, wanting mm. to distract yourself and like find these, but at the same time, it's also great because you get to have excitement and experience cool things in the process. Even if you're setting it up to distract yourself, you get to experience it at the same time. Right. Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. You get to experience. It's, it's all fun. Like, I think just as long mm. as you can keep it fun, it's just, it just makes the most sense. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, type eight. Here we are. Here we this are. is the challenger. <laughs> so excited. I don't um, know. I'm like excited because it's my type, but also I feel like this already sounds aggressive. So I'm hoping we can, <laughs> shine, we can shine some happiness to this at the same time. <laughs> oh my goodness. I feel like type eights are one of the most misunderstood types on the Enneagram because you I'm get- I'm hoping at the end, I'm going to feel like your mom and feel like very like understood. So- <laughs> Good. I hope so too. Okay. Well, because people are always painting them as like the picture of this dominating, crude, like angry, calculating type. And they can be when they're yeah. unhealthy, but yeah. all of these types can be when they're unhealthy. Like okay. I've seen myself at low points and I'm like, wow, Sierra, like you're just a 
horrible person sometimes. (laughs) But it's because we have that look. So on a scale from literally Adolf Hitler, who was a dictator, to Martin Luther King Jr., they're both type eights. And so you have Rosa Parks, type eight. So you have all of these extremities that I think we look at for type eights. Um, But the main motivation is to not be controlled. It's not even necessarily to be in control, you know? Um, And so because of that, again, massive justice streak. Nobody wants to be controlled. The type eight, most important thing to them. They're like, no, freedom is my thing. Mm-hmm. It's a basic human right, like yeah. not to sound all American and everything, but it is. It's a basic human right, right. to have yeah. freedom, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I laugh because I even think about when we had lockdowns in Australia last year and they were like, you can't go more than three kilometers outside of your house. My wing eight was like, <laughs> watch me go 3.2 kilometers outside of my house and see what you can do about it. <laughs> like, and yeah, I was the like, opposite of, I don't know, maybe that's also because I'm an introvert, but I just kept thinking when people would try to get me out, I'm like, you can't control me to go past whatever this is because now I'm not leaving my front door. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That being said, there are way more people in LA than there are where I'm at. So that's I'm true. like, yeah, the whole continent here has the same amount of people in LA County. So I'm like, yeah. if I would go for a walk, I would see maybe two people on said walk at okay, this yeah. point. So I'm like, I feel a lot more. I okay go to check my mailbox and there's like 20 people just like already staring at me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't my, miss my that. challenger was like <laughs> challenging this, this social distancing. Like it's not 10, it's 20. <laughs> Stay away, guys. Everybody go. <laughs> yeah. Different places. Hey, different yes. places. Yeah. But it's one of those things where you're like, oh, do I want to, like, you don't want to be controlled you know like you, right. you want to stay safe obviously um and I think especially like COVID brought out a lot of different aspects of everybody where we were like oh I didn't actually know that part of me existed because <laughs> who knew like who right. knew that it was there to exist um, oh yeah but yeah the type eights are like super confident assertive they know how to communicate well and when they're healthy I think they're some of the most beautifully powerful people on the planet like I think about uh, Martin Luther King Jr and I'm like his speech lasted forever but his actions also lasted you know um and i think that that's what type eights they're they're like type like (laughs) i laugh because there was somebody who was like i'm a type eight and a type three or i wing three or whatever but they're the most influential people when they're healthy um and when they're unhealthy obviously but everybody hates you um you know so they are the most influential people because they're like this is how we do things but also this is how we see things and you should get on board with it um they know how to talk well yeah yeah I think yeah I was gonna say I, I identify with that a lot because I feel like that is the mix of responses I get when I first meet people it's either they quickly misunderstand me and think I'm going to be really, really rude or I just have this like straight face that they say they can't read me and it seems very intimidating which there are a certain, there are certain people I feel like that can pull off always having a smile on their face, even when they're not talking to someone, just walking down the yeah. street and just smiling where I feel like if I do that, I look crazy. So I think it's just, <laughs> I don't want to walk around. Like I don't have a, an in between it's either like my face is straight or I look like a clown. So there's that aspect. And then there's other people that tell me, you know, that you never seem awkward. You seem very confident all the time where I don't relate really to either of them. Like, I don't mm. feel like I'm rude. I'm always like looking to connect with people. And the confident part is a nice um, 
you know, compliment, but I feel like I can be so awkward. So it's very interesting when people think those, those opposite things, because I never think I'm walking around like, oh, she's so confident. She owns a room. Like, I think I'm stumbling over my words and I'm like goofy all the time. And (laughs) it's just, I don't know. I, I relate to the desires and the fears there, but as far Mm -hmm. as the behavior, which is why it's important that you can't type someone because I don't relate to those things specifically. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good touch point. And it's so funny. Cause even when you like, when I saw you on zoom today, I was like, Oh, she has, you just have this confident air about you, which is so funny that you don't feel that way. And I think I'm it's again, it's all like, of you. The, like <laughs> I think well I'm, like, done, I'm confident, <laughs> but not to the level of like people noticing it. I don't like, I'm not, I don't have this like running insecurities, but I don't feel the level of confidence people think that I have. So thank you. <laughs> Honestly, props to you. Props to you. And I think that's what's so interesting is that people will look at somebody and make, like I did this morning, I was like, she seems so confident. Like, you know what you're doing. And it is, I think it's just the way that one carries themselves mm. too. Like it can have so much to do with with that. And as yeah, confidence is such a choice, I think. Um, yeah. And it's one that we have to make consciously. And I laugh because I get the same thing all the time. People are like, oh, you're so confident. I'm like, why? Like, I'm so, why yeah. do you think that? Like, I just happen yeah. to be in the right place at the right time, you know? Like, right, ah. right. Um, and yeah, it, it's one of those, it's, it's very much an expression, I think, of <clears throat> security. And it, it's so interesting how it changes from person to person. But eights are always perceived as confident. So, yeah, it Take might also that. be, you know, I love podcasting. And so I think, and that could also be the same thing for you, where it's, mm. I think people feel I'm more confident when I'm in situations where I am very passionate about something. So 100%. It's like, I'm not, I wasn't coming into this call like, oh, yeah, I've got this, you know, but it's like, I was so no, intrigued to just not. talk to you and like discuss this whole topic that I think I was so interested that maybe it just came off that way because I'm just like I'm this is what I'm here for you know this is what I'm dedicating my next like two hours to talk about yes yeah that is what we love that is what we love and yeah it makes such a difference like when you're passionate about something whereas like if you're like a little bit like oh here nor there about it obviously we're gonna have that rbf come in we're gonna be like (laughs) I don't know how I feel about it you You could care less anybody could care less when they're not passionate about something right yeah very cool Okay. That's that's the type eight in a nutshell. Obviously, there's way more layers to that yeah. one too, um, which you would probably be able to talk about as a type eight. Um, but yeah, <laughs> type nine is the peacemaker. Their core motivation is to keep the peace. Quite oh. shocking, I know. Um, <laughs> so the peacemakers have an empathetic and I guess like somewhat, I guess like magnetic quality to them like people want them in their world because their presence is really comforting and this goes for kids even like so a lot of kids will be like running around and really excited but a lot of the times you'll be able to spot like a child that has like either a quality of a peacemaker or maybe they're just a really good snuggler because they are attracted to adults that maybe feel a little bit more stressed out and they'll go sit with them and just kind of be with them um And so they love to create harmony in situations and it's their driving force. Now type nines do have a habit of merging beyond reason because they're not they're They can have people pleasing tendencies, but they, they want to heal the conflicts of the world. And so their constant reaction to things like, Oh, how can I match this person, make them feel seen, make them feel loved, make them feel understood. But in that process, it's super easy for them to lose themselves 
in what that person expects from them. Right. Um, so there's that thriving when they're connected to another person and they want to understand them, but they are, they're known as like the sleepwalkers of the Enneagram because they want to live in a state of nothing bad happening. And I joke because there's that meme where like the world is blowing up behind someone. Um, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And then the other person is looking the other way and I'm like, this is me with my life. If I'm not careful and I'm like, counseling is a great thing because (laughs) something will be blowing up in the background. I'm like, if I'm not looking at it, it's not happening. Like it doesn't exist. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, That's, I can relate to you on that. Like, I'm. so I'm like, okay, there's that wing right there because with all the stuff going on in the world, I just, I remember I would put the notifications on my phone for COVID because I wanted to see what the numbers were looking like, especially being in LA. But with Mm -hmm. that, there was no way, or at least no way that I knew to filter out these news notifications for just COVID. So I started getting all the news mm, every morning <laughs> every morning there was something just like gut-wrenching and I'm just like this I am noticing my anxiety spiking where I'm staying up till two o'clock in the morning and then I'm like oh, waking man. up every hour then waking up by like six because I just I'm like okay it's just not gonna happen like I'm not gonna get full sleep tonight you know and I finally had to just get rid of the mm. notifications in general because I I just couldn't handle it. I was getting super depressed, anxious. I didn't want to go out, go anywhere. I just kept thinking of like all these things that could happen. So now it's like, I don't, mm. I don't even want to look at the news. Like I, somebody says something, if I call my mom, she's like, oh, did you hear about that guy that, and I'm like, nope, next topic. I don't even want to know about it. Like, <laughs> don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I just can't. Like, I know there's things that's going on, but if you imagine throwing out a number, if you imagine there's like a hundred awful things going on per day, if you're then telling me those things, I can't pretend it's a hundred and I know it's like now a million. So just like, if I hear about news, cause I accidentally stumbled upon it. I don't want people like telling me things every five seconds. It's just not, I can't no. do it. Just want to like, like no. you said, like looking away from the, the explosion. <laughs> Turn a blind eye. It's yeah. okay. Well, yeah. cause like, you know that the world is not at peace. And so it's so much more easy to fall asleep on your own emotions and your own needs and your own desires just to merge with others. Yeah. Uh, in order to like heal theirs, because there's a healing element there, but there's also mm-hmm. like that aspect of ignorance. Like, I don't want to follow. Like, I don't want to think about it. Um, yeah. Because otherwise, you have the anxiety. And I remember so many sleepless nights during COVID, just being like, I don't want to think about this. Like yeah. anybody, yeah. but it's there and it's blaring, and you couldn't avoid it at that point. Yeah. In time. So. And it is important. Like, you want to know what's going on in the world, right? Like, it is important for you to have yeah, that knowledge. Absolutely. At the same time, there's only so much you can handle. And it gets to a point of like, do I, every little thing is not, it's not helping me anymore. It's not beneficial. It's just breaking you down. Exactly. A lot. (laughs) And that's where it's not worth it. Yeah. Sometimes. Yes. (laughs) Gotta be aware. But if it's dominating your every thought, then I think that there's some aspect of things that need to change a little bit. Yeah. Dominating my thought or affecting my everyday behavior. Like if I'm paranoid to go to like, go get gas, like we have issues here. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. And that's already, that was already a massive thing in LA. Like I hated getting gas. Oh yeah. Cause well, I'm saying like afraid dream. to go to go get gas because like, you don't know what crazy person is going to show up. You know Literally. what I mean? Yeah. But now yes, the whole gas is a whole, it's a whole other situation, but real place. Real place. <laughs> um, Those are the nine types and their core motivations. Awesome. That was, that took, that took a little bit longer than I thought, but Hey, here we are. We made it. Yeah. So <laughs> Can we get into this diagram and the whole like yeah 
the center yeah do we have do we have time to jump into that i just kind of want to like understand so people have like a full understanding before we we have some exciting stuff coming for you guys so we'll discuss at the end of this episode but yes <laughs> can i share my screen with you is that possible or do you have a way i can let me i yeah, can send me... this to you in the chat let me here i'll share my screen oh never mind i just made I you a post send... oh super thank you uh, let me see that might be the best one all right so do you see this diagram right mm -hmm. here this mm -hmm. one that i just pulled up okay oops stay with me um and okay. i will make sure so, i drop and we can link the episode notes yeah so beautiful. everybody can see this love that um so if you see these arrows like coming towards and away from these are the these are this is this is a lot so i want to first talk about the three centers of intelligence so you mentioned before you have the feeling the thinking and the head or the doing mm -hmm. um so these are a lot of this is also another way if you're not sure precisely what your enneagram type is this can be a really good distinction um you have the feelings triad, which is where you make a lot of your decisions based on emotions. Um, so if people are like, oh, do you make decisions based on your feelings or your thoughts? Um, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm an analyst. Like, I know that about myself. If you're an analyst, a lot of the times your primary number could fall into five, six, and seven. Because the five, obviously we have the researcher aspect of things. So that makes sense for them. The six, because again, they're very concerned about being two steps ahead. They want to know like what's going on so that they can make sure everybody's safe. The seven is while they're over, they, they can be a bit avoidant of it. They're still in their head. They're still thinking about things and they're trying to get away from thinking about things, but because that's part of their core motivation, it's still there. Like it's still a dominating aspect of their um, analysis. They're very in their head. They make their decisions based off of logic. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah. Whereas if you go over to eight, nine, and one, these are the gut types. They are all instinctual. And I, you're lucky because you, if you're an eight, you have one wing over in your head. Right. Okay. So you right. have a wing that maybe would help you think, okay, logically, this is what would make sense. Whereas because I'm a nine right here in the middle, both of my wings are still instinctual. So it takes a lot for me to think about, oh, how would I feel about this? How would I think about this? I'm just like, no, my gut says this, therefore I'm doing this. Like it makes sense. Okay. So the eight is in their gut because they're, they're doing oriented. They're like, no, we have to take action. Um, the nine is gut oriented because they would just rather stay in their own space. Um, the one is gut oriented because they're very, hmm, how do I say this? So the ones are gut oriented because they want to make sure everything is right. And so while they have that mental aspect to it and they have, usually they'll have a wing in the feeling zone as well. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, they're just very gut oriented in how they do things. They're also action oriented. Does that make sense? So those three are more action oriented in the way they, they roll. Okay. Um, yes. Whereas if you come over to feelings, you have two, three, and four. So you have the helper, the achiever, and then the individualist over in the feelings. So these people, these, these types are very emotional in the way they make decisions. The two make sense. They're helpers. They want everybody to feel loved. The three, they feel loved by doing. So you'd think that the three would maybe be connected to the gut and, and they are in a certain aspect of things as you see that arrow pointing over there. Um, but they're, they make decisions based off of feelings. And as you can see, they're in the middle of that triad as well. Um, and then the four, obviously they're the romantic. So they have 
one wing in the feelings or a foot in the feelings, but then you look at the five and there you have that antithesis going on again. Like they're very opposite. Um, so those, those three make decisions based off of their feelings. Does that kind of make sense with the three centers of intelligence? Yes. And then, so how do these, the arrows, how do these kind of tie in? Like we see like a two is pointing to an eight. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is where it gets really interesting and really wild. Uh, okay. <laughs> so these are what we call your stress and security numbers. Um, security is also known as your child heart point. So when we talk mm -hmm. about home, eventually, um, mm -hmm. your first four years are extremely formative in your life. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this actually the last couple of months and I got, my wing eight really came out. I got pretty angry. <laughs> I was like, what is happening here? Because your child heart points or where you see the arrows pointing towards. So if you look, for example, at this two pointing towards eight, that is your growth point. Mm. All right. Okay. Eight going to five is your, your against point. So hang on just a second. So if you see like this arrow pointing towards something on the diagram, mm -hmm. that's your security. Okay. When you see the arrow pointing away from something on the diagram, that's your stress. So going to the security aspect of things, if you're looking at two pointing towards eight, mm -hmm. this is probably what you were as a child before things like childhood trauma happened. Um, oh, so for example, the arrow pointing towards me, achiever, star, professional, love to be, and I remember this about myself as a kid. Like, it's funny, when I was a child, I was like, I want to be an actress, and I loved being the center of attention. Mm -hmm. Like, I wanted to be in the middle of things, doing this, motivating people. Yeah. And it's funny because as an adult, I, well, let me go back to that. So I wanted to be in the middle. I wanted to be in the center of attention. I loved being on stage. I loved dancing. And like, I have core memories of that. Yeah. But somehow between those formative years and before being a teenager, I got the message. And that could be from parents. It could be a subconscious thing that my voice wasn't as valuable as I thought it was. And so okay. grown up Sierra or maybe teenage Sierra was like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, nine makes sense for me because I wanna make sure everybody's happy. And if my voice isn't necessarily valuable, then I wanna make sure everybody else's voice feels valuable as well. Okay. You know, yeah. I wanna make sure everybody's at peace together. I wanted to be the mediator. And that's really funny because when you see this arrow pointing towards, what you have right here, this is your security zone. So you want to make sure you go to all the healthy aspects of a type two yeah. when you're secure. Um, so whether that's like making sure that people are at home or comfortable or hosting them um, yeah. and making sure people are feeling loved, that's where you go when you're feeling secure. Mm -hmm. um, does, that, does that make sense with yeah. the way the arrows kind of point yeah. towards? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So you also have a foot in the feelings zone as well. Yeah. Okay. So for just, just so up for clarification though. So yeah. if we're using, let's say we're using yours. So like the, okay. when you mentioned the stress to security, can you explain when it comes to yours, like the three to the nine to the six? Yeah. Oh wait. And they're Absolutely. all kind of going. And then that six is connecting back to the three. Okay. So that's all kind of connecting. So yes. yeah, let's use yours as an example, just to make sure I got it. Okay. So the, the three is connected to the nine um, and the nine is connected to the six. When I am stressed beyond measure, <laughs> I go okay. to six, but I take on all the unhealthy attributes of a six. Now it's worth noting that you need, you use both of these as growth. They're both growth points. 
Um, okay. Because when you're stressed, you obviously you take on a little bit more higher capacity of things. You're like, okay, I may not feel like I can do this right now, but there's something in all of us that is like, we don't we don't choose to shut down. Right. We're humans. Like there's that survival instinct that right. kicks in. So there is opportunity for growth. Obviously, stress is not something you want to seek out. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, but there is right. opportunity for growth when you're stressed. So. When I'm not feeling good at all, when I have way too much on my plate, when I'm taking care of everybody else but forgetting to take care about myself because that is a classic nine thing to do and I'm still getting over it. It's fine. Um, I go to six, um, which in some cases would be great. But when I'm taking on the unhealthy aspects of a six, I'm immediately like the world is going to come to an end. Where? How am I going to be able to escape? How can I make sure that I am safe because I – might not feel safe. Um, but I also, in that same way, forget that anything else matters. I'm like, safety is the most important thing. I I care about the feelings of others. I care about making sure other people are a safe place, mm-hmm. but not so much at all because I'm taking on the unhealthy attributes of a six. Um, okay. Yeah. So I become a lot more fearful, um, which is not really a good space to be. Like I wouldn't wish yeah. fear on anybody. Right. Um, and they're no longer the defender. They're kind of on offense a little bit more. They're like, everybody's out to get me. Um, so, yeah, I try to stay away from six as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, whereas like an eight for you, you would go to five, which is like the – you can take on the healthy slash unhealthy versions, obviously. But the unhealthy version of a five would be like withdrawn and stuck in research and making sure – so honestly, something like you – Putting the news things on your phone, the news notifications on your phone is a classic thing to do when you're stressed out because you're like, oh, I want to know what's happening. Why is it happening? Why should I – like it's very interesting because you take on the unhealthy attributes of that. Withdrawn, maybe not as communicative, maybe not as concerned with the justice aspect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually had a victim of gun violence um, on – it's been it's been a few episodes but it it was interesting how wow we were discussing like how how certain you know things in the news can affect you and I know when Mm -hmm. I was getting notifications of like different things going on with gun violence I would I don't want to use the word obsessed but I just don't I don't like when we're focusing on the abuser in the situation right so if I see a list of victims from something I needed to like under I wanted to know about them like because they're the yeah. ones that were they're the, the victims so I would sit down and then I would like do my research I'm like I want to know like I see their names like how old were they what was mm-hmm. you know like just kind of understanding like yeah get it get attention away from you know the abuser and then I like absorb myself in that and then it would just make me more sad but again mm-hmm. like you said I need to understand like why it's happening mm-hmm. yeah that's such a journey <clears throat> And it's interesting because you can see your five, your eight, and your nine at mm-hmm. work too. Because your nine, on the other hand, is like, oh, like I want to be able to merge with how they're feeling. Yes. Um, but then the eight, the eight and the five, and then the eight obviously is very justice oriented too. So it's like, wait a second, why would you give attention to the abuser? Like that doesn't yes. make sense. It's not fair. And then yes. the five is like all of it. So it's interesting how you can see all three of them at work. Yeah. Um, together. So man, that's, that's gotta be intense. I I need to go back and listen to that one. I've listened to a couple of your podcasts just so I could kind of get a feel for everything. Appreciate I was it, like, yeah. I hear that once. <laughs> yeah. So um, Nojahan <laughs> Bolden is her name. And I think I've had her, I had her on twice and we had two parts. So in total, I think there's four episodes with her and she's 
she's a great a great great guest to have like she just the way she kind of came full circle with that whole situation is like she really makes you put things into perspective she was great um Sierra thank you so much for you know just diving into this with me and we're getting a bit of a background on the Enneagram and for the audience want to share that we have a really awesome series coming with you you have a book that'll be coming out and so we're going to be diving into the Enneagram on home love work and play and for the next four weeks you're going to hear us (laughs) and we're going to be diving into all these different episodes (laughs) yeah so I'm really excited um if you can join me next week and we'll dive into the next part of this, which will be home. Can't wait. Thank awesome. you so much for having me. Thank you. you. Hi, this is Sierra McKenzie. I've written a book, Complete Guide to the Enneagram, which is a modern approach on self-discovery and connecting well with others. This book is for anyone looking to unlock your potential for growth, success, and self-discovery while also understanding the people around you better. Go ahead and pre-order the book available in the show notes. Hope you enjoy it.